What's going on? It's time for another episode of Too Hard for the Radio. Transmitting from the future free state of Idaho, I am the one-armed madman. And from his comic book shop, we've got with us tonight the principal anarchist, Mr. Michael Strom. Mike, thanks hey. for coming on. Oh, man. I tell you, what's going on? What a question. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's see. Is it the car that needs work on? Oh. Is it the other car that needs work on? Is it the is it the thousands and thousands of comic books that need to be sorted? Is it the the myriad of thoughts about liberty and injustice and uh, you know a better world that are going through? Right, man, it's all going on. <laughs> right on. So I figured we could start out by getting into some some anarchism here. So when I was a kid, I remember I was probably like 10 years old. I, my parents were young. They didn't know anything about politics, but we lived next to my grandparents. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and he watched a lot of Fox news. So I asked him one time, I said, why are we Republicans? And he goes, I was a dirt bike rider. I grew up, I was riding dirt bikes since I was four years old. And he goes, the Democrats are the ones taking the trails away. They don't want you riding. They're going to take away your guns. And you know, they, they just, uh, outlawed snowmobiles in Yellowstone. He just gave me a whole list of things. And I go, okay, that makes sense. I, I can't stand these people. So obviously I'm a Republican. Mm. And, you know, 9-11, I'm like a sophomore in high school. So I was kind of, I was into fighter jets. I love machines. I was a motocross racer. So, all, you know, the military's cool. Look at these jets. You know, the recruiters are coming around, getting us all jacked up. And I was going to go to the Air Force and head on over there and blow some people up. But luckily I tore... I tore my knee up and they wouldn't take me. And, you know, luckily, isn't, yeah. it, isn't it sad that you have to say luckily? I know. And, you know, it wasn't until I was in my 30s until like I got into the Internet. I was never into the Internet as a kid. I started getting into Liberty and I, I found some people that were just talking my language. And I thought back on it and I go, you know, he never answered my question. Why am I? <laughs> why are we Republicans? All he said was why we're not Democrats. <laughs> And that was not a, quite the same thing. Yeah. So how <laughs> I did think you that's get into probably this? the response of somebody who doesn't really know why he is. There's just a handful of chosen issues. You know, it's a little selective outrage that he's managed to find over the years. And and my parents were the same way. No real concept of of, of what's going on in the world. Uh, not not lacking in in understanding or caring necessarily but just not involved in it too busy going to work nine yeah. to five trying to put food on the table yep same it's uh it's a it's a sad state and like looking back on it now like i've i've talked with my parents about this i'm like you know we were never republicans we were always libertarians at least like you know what I, I ended up, I got married to a, uh, a Persian woman in my late twenties and I hadn't gotten into like libertarian literature or anarchism or anything like that yet. But when it, when it finally, like when I got into this stuff right away, I was just like, oh yeah, this war machine is just a, a horrible thing. And then I found out what a Persian was and I divorced her. So <laughs> just to be clear, like I, I you know, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Man, it's it's weird. I find myself questioning. What's one of the? I think it's one of the best things that I can do. I, I find myself questioning myself and my understanding of people because I, I I overestimate people and I underestimate people, and and sometimes I just hit them right on. And I I sit back and I try to think real hard why. If people make certain political decisions or movements that they or or lack of them that they do, and and I I finally get that they don't know. They don't know why it is they do what they do. They've just been taught that this is the system. This is the way it works. You're either on side A or you're on side B, yep. or you're with those weirdos over there in those other parties, you know, which those those super effective parties that themselves are already factionalized and fractionalized within themselves. And, you know, they, 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 they've already left these major parties, you know, the, the two big parties, and, and drifted over to uh, libertarianism or Green Party or something yeah. like this, and and these people are already disaffected voters. They're already people who have failed to realize change through the 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 biggest 
actors in the, the system in the Republican and Democratic parties and have failed. And so their answer is to go to a third party that barely gets recognized. Yeah. And they're going to do even less. Make the, I think the least you can do for change. I mean, this is literally the least you can do is just show up at the polls and hope somebody else does something for you. Yeah. I mean, I live here in Idaho and we're so ready for change. I mean, Ammon Bundy ran as a, as an independent here this year and he out, he outdid the Democrat. And I mean, there's a lot, I, Brad Little didn't even advertise. He didn't do anything. No signs, no bumper stickers, nothing. All he, he just had to show up and win because there's that majority of people that are too afraid to go a different direction because they are afraid the Democrat might win. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of their favorite tactics. Right. Yeah. If you don't vote, if you vote for the that third party, those weirdos, those those green guys or something like that, that you're taking away votes that would they would go to one party or the other. And you're ensuring that the other um, person is elected. And I, I I don't do math that way. That's not how math works. Yeah. They, they, that's the same argument that they make for a lot of this uh, uh, digital rights management and, and um, yep. trying to claim uh, that, you know, sort of digital copyright in, in Idaho who downloaded a yeah. file has actually damaged somebody, you, you know, they, that they've been, that they are owed something because he downloaded a file and watched their movie. Yeah. It's a ridiculous notion. There's, there's no connection between the two things. Just because uh, I, I watched this movie doesn't mean that you were going to get the money in the first place. Just because I'm a part of this party doesn't mean that you're going to get the vote in the first place. At least a, a principled voter would say that, I would think. People really just don't understand property rights and how they extend. Like you can tell them, <laughs> look, this is your house and they understand that. But once it like, I love bitching about my HOA. I have an HOA that I'm a part of. And we'll go to these HOA meetings, and they hate me. They fucking hate me. I'm a thorn in their side. And they'll complain about the Demo – oh, these Democrats. They're just wrecking the country. They're going to gender and, you know, the whole list of everything that people are rightfully, justifiably upset about. And then the meeting will start, and they'll be like, okay, um, we're forming an architectural committee so when you build a new building in your yard, we need to come inside and inspect because we need to know if it's a barn, a pole barn, or a structured building. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you were just complaining about this on the macro level, but we get down into the neighborhood. And the, the wild thing is it's all about bumping their property value a little bit. Right. It's like, dude, our property values went up like 60% during COVID. You're oh, really wow. going to bitch about my yard? <laughs> uh yeah it's an it's one of those catch-22 things with the with the hla thing and there's there's agreements and then when agreements turn into to bullies and people trying to uh, place value on things or create value where there isn't value or exactly. yeah it, it, that that's where the problem becomes and 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 that's uh, that's the underlying problem of of government and authority right is yep. that, that we keep falling into the same pattern even in smaller groups uh, but it's less damaging to the individuals and to the groups if you keep it in that smaller group if you if you shoot for that that uh, smaller management system i it just blows my mind when people talk about um how Wonderful or fantastic it must be to own a Microsoft or uh, a Tesla or something like that. The companies, the corporations, yeah. to be the person that's in charge of these things. And to me, that just seems antithetical to uh, a peaceful, happy existence because the more mo the more money you have, the more uh, people you have employed under you. All this, all this, it, it, that's the less time you get to spend worried about yourself and. The bigger it gets, the less control you have over it individually, and 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 you get something akin to you know these large corporations. You yes. get out of control government. You get things yes. that are just too and, big, and and we're we're trying to micromanage things on a macro scale. And this leftist like 
form of thinking that corp it's all the corporations it's all the big corp they're greedy they're stealing our money and they don't realize that it's the big state and the big corporation love each other they feed off each other i just finished a degree which is a story all on its own from a mm. local college here and i did not realize the extent of the corruption in the education system with microsoft so to get a business degree at this school, you have to pass a class on Microsoft. Then you mm -hmm. have to pass classes that require you to use Microsoft. So Microsoft used to be, you remember in the 90s, it was, oh my God, a monopoly. They're taking over. What happened mm -hmm. to that? They paid a ton of money on lobbying and they got rid of all that talk. Now they're bigger than ever. They have more control than ever. And it's still... Capitalism is the problem. They, the status line of thinking, like we're just, it's baked into us. My, my co-host Nolan on, on our, our normal episode, he's really into like Liberty and this stuff, but he still just thinks like a status and it's, it's just baked into us through the education system. And, you know, man, we were just reading Greek tragedies and one of them's Antigone. Antigone goes against Creon, who lays down the law. You can't bury your brother, and she buries him anyways. And it's amazing to see the people go, well, I understand that she wanted to bury her brother, but the law is the law. <clears throat> and I'm looking at this like, dude, this guy is out of control. And then the next place, he gets even more out of control. And then you see these people switch over from, well, now, you know, he's just out of control. It's like, no, no, no. You have to stop it at the beginning. You can't let it go one inch because by the end of the third third play, it's a complete disaster. Yeah, yeah, it's gone too far. To give, it's that give an inch, take a mile thing, and people just don't they don't see it. We're go we're going through an accelerated version of it right now with yes. the the war and the wars on terror and the wars on homelessness and the wars on gender and the war i don't know Families. it's just <laughs> it's just an over and over endless yeah. parade of reasons to force other people to uh either be in some space or be in some space inside their mind with the suggestion this is what it just drives me nuts all all this this weird leftist activism that is occurring right now where they're constantly asking us to recognize them and accept them for who they are, but they goddamn well will not recognize that we are who we are and accept us for who we are. We're suddenly an enemy when we were never an enemy. I, okay, I'm in the perfect, if you want an example of this, I'm, I'm right in the perfect place for it because comic books are one of these areas of you know comic books video games you've heard about gamergate and oh, all this yeah. stuff yeah, sure so you know that this this insidious movement whatever it is this agenda is finding its way into every uh, facet of the culture and what you have here in the comic book industry is the same as anywhere else, it's same as it's always been. When uh, when you're really truly on the inside of it, you realize that it's as open and honest and there's a place for everybody inside of it if they're looking for it. That's always been the comic book industry. The comic book industry is inclusive. The comic book industry is divisive and derisive. And, and it's all of these things that, that it, they started, you know, printing the materials because you couldn't get it somewhere else you couldn't see these things you couldn't hear these ideas and and so we have this agenda come in and over the last few years you have the, the, the gay superman and the handicapped yep. spider-man and 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 all of these characters which you know fine whatever if that's what you want if that's what people really want but, but that's not don't. what yeah it doesn't seem to be it's it, it seems um you're all I good, have, dude. We're we're partying. <laughs> it, well, I have a, a group oh, yeah. of people that come in every week, and we talk about these things, and they say the same things that that I think that is the real answer to this, and yeah. it's not pandering to a particular subset when that already existed. You're telling me there were no black. Um, characters in comic books before black panther came along just a few years back no sorry not uh, that's not the way it works there's been fantastic amazing black characters all throughout the history of comic yeah. books 
black creators all throughout the history of comic. And, and then you come to, oh, well, it's not inclusive enough. No, you're not inclusive enough. You haven't opened up enough of your world to realize that there's a bigger world out there. You're actually, these people are, are just hyper-focused on themselves, narcissistic, and uh, some of them mentally deranged. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Larry Niven guy. And Larry Niven was great at, like, solo explorers, figuring things out on their own, ingenuitive, capable and every time the government would come in, they would mess things up. And this was, you know, some of the most classic sci-fi series. Like, Ringworld is is an incredible series. But what happens in 2016? There's a big, I think it was Vice article, Larry Niven and how he got Donald Trump elected. And it's like, <laughs> surprisingly, like, I'm a big sci-fi guy. I, I read a ton of sci-fi. I, I love Dennis Taylor. He's a new guy. Um, what's Alistair Reynolds? And they're not doing any of this crap. They're still putting out good content, and I'm surprised. Like, every time I go to a new series of book, I go, is there going to be bullshit? And I'm I'm primed for it because I can't even, oh, watch, no, you, I can't yeah. even watch TV anymore. It's unwatchable, a lot of it. I mean, I can't do another female superhero movie on Netflix. It's just not my thing, you know? But these, Did you watch Paper Girls, at least? No. <laughs> no. Well, wait, that one's on uh, Amazon Prime. Anyway. Uh, which one? <laughs> It actually was really good. Which it was, was actually it? a very good comic book television show. Which show? I didn't Paper Girls. It. Paper Girls. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check it out. I, I, yeah, it only got one season, stuff. so you don't have to invest much in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always looking for good stuff. Have you uh, looked into Eric July and his comic book, his new comic book series? I think. Yeah, uh, I've looked into it. Um it's not something that uh, is in any of the mainstream stuff. So you got to kind of go out of your way to yeah. uh, get it. I'm kind of surprised that somebody around here, I'm in Kansas. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of surprised that somebody around here hasn't actually asked about it. It just seems, yeah, I, I, I assume a lot of people around here know who Eric July is. Yeah. I think it's an interesting time where somebody like that who is creative and who has an audience can do something without yeah. a publisher, without the man. They don't need any gatekeepers to let him in. He's just already primed. Like, I know I can sell to my people, and if it's good, they're going to buy it, and they're going to tell their friends about it, and more people are going to buy it. I think it's just a great story of, like, creating value. Like, here, mm. I'm good at something. I know I'm good at something. I've, you know, he's a fan of all these things, and like you, he's critical of what's going on and is able to actually give an answer instead of just being like so many talking heads on the internet complaining about something and not actually doing anything to fix it. Well, I think, I think so often the people that are talking on the internet, which, you know, it's, it's funny to talk about talking when you're a talker uh, and, and when you're somebody who participates in it, but there's a level uh, there, you know, there's, there's here and there's here and there's here. And both some of us are working up here and talking about, What's the the Eleanor Roosevelt thing, right? Uh, talking about ideas, not talking about people and events. The, you know that higher level thinking that, that that's going to uh, bring about change, that's going to resolve problems, that's going to get us to work together to solve the things that we need to solve. Uh, that you know, that's that higher level thinking up there when you're talking about the ideas. And and I just I've I've spent man I've got I've, I've run the gamut of this. I was. I was down on the uh, I was down on the ground uh, in 2011 for Occupy, literally oh, cool. uh, dodging the pepper pepper spray bullets and oh, and cops on motorcycles trying to run us over in the park, uh, just just to be a part of it, just to see what was going on and to document it. And um, and then I became involved with We Are Change for a little while. Oh, right on. Uh, We Are Change, a big group in uh, Colorado. And uh, it spent a couple of years just kind of hanging out and building family and growing gardens and in neighborhoods and and holding nice. weekly meetings and, and potlucks and, and just generally building a, a community. But uh, none of it really it, it could never go anywhere because, again, you have the outside uh, we're an outside group and we're an extremely diverse 
group. When you're talking about people who who fly an anarchist banner, if you ask somebody about anarchism, uh, you, you probably get, I don't know, you got green and you got red and you got yellow and you get, I think there's a blue one. And uh-huh. I, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's wild. I mean, for me, like I was so primed for this stuff because when I started hearing people talk about it on the internet, it's like, oh man this is the type of stuff I've been saying my entire Mm. life. Like I worked in the restaurant industry for like 10 years and man, it's funny to like see how the market actually works in a restaurant because it's Mm. a true meritocracy. So like you're always having problems with your hostess. They're the youngest there. They have the least (laughs) experience. They have no idea what they're doing and they think that they should be paid far more than they're actually paid. Right. And, you know, I'm bartending and they're there. I deserve this and complaining and complain. and then they get promoted to be a waitress and they go, my gosh, the, the work that you have, the things that you have to memorize. Like I, the, I didn't know what I didn't know. And then they complain that they have to tip the bartender because why does the bartender get more money? And you know, it keeps going and going. And, you know, I remember hearing the minimum wage argument and just telling like our, our waitresses and everybody's jacked up about it. It's like, yeah, well, people are going to get fired. You know, <laughs> don't worry. It's not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, one of those turnover industries where it's really, where it's really obvious to, to see uh, the effect that manipulation of the market and the money yep. uh, has on, on those places. Yeah. We, well, we saw it, uh, one of the, the largest hit, uh, groups in uh, the world were the restaurants and in that market here the last couple of years through this this covid nonsense and all these these lockdowns that basically have only told me that there's no chance yeah. anymore right? i don't know if anybody else was paying attention but yeah. if they can shut down everything and threaten you with murder and cages and uh at will uh, over fake science then uh, uh, Yo, Katie, bar the doors. <laughs> yeah, paid for science. I, I'm I'm structuring my life at this point. Like I've been on workers' comp for the last eight years since I got hurt. I got an extra three years out of them because I'm a pain in the ass. So good on me. <laughs> but I, I'm structuring my life in a way that I'm never going to be hindered by something like that when it does mm-hmm. happen again. Uh, you know, I'm renovating a room in my house. I'm turning a dining room into a bedroom so I can rent it out. And I'm going to be paid off and I'm going to be able to go and, you know, teach kids how to ride dirt bikes and maybe do some consulting in restaurants and work in ways that I will be dependent on myself. Like, I'm not going to be if I would have still lived. I live. Here's how things change. In 2011, when you were at Occupy Wall Street, I was living in San Francisco and I was bartending on Pier 39 and there was a big like homeless encampment at the Embarcadero BART station and they had Occupy Wall Street signs up and they were just basically camping. They had fires going, they were cooking food. Like it was a, it was a mess. And if you asked 10 citizens walking down there, what are these people doing here? They'd be like, I have no fucking clue. Mm-hmm. I was in a class. I took a, an English class there at uh, the city college of San Francisco and I didn't sign up for classes early enough. And the last English class available was called Women's Studies English. And me being a moron, (laughs) I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I I didn't even know what feminism was. And at that time, the big argument that I got into in the classroom was, is beauty a social construct? Like none of this gender shit, nothing. I didn't, I never saw a trans person. I never even heard of a fuck, like they were still called transvestites back then. Mm. <laughs> and th- you know, things change quick. This, this, this wheel just seems to churn and churn and churn and always left. You know, it's churned to the point now where Elon Musk, the billionaire who believes in fucking social wealth, or what does he call it? Universal basic income and lives mm. off the of government money is now right wing. It's a yeah, well, and only in uh, in a very superficial way. What was yeah. the Twitter guy? The, the the guy that you just hired for Twitter is a, a WEF, World Economic Forum guy. I, I it's it's the good old boy story again. You know, you, you 
talking about just sort of being young and and being who you are. So I've always been an anarchist, but I didn't necessarily always know the the real philosophy of of anarchy. I think Me when either. I was younger, it was about sort of being angry and raging against the the machine. Yeah. Um, you know, metalhead, pot smoker. Um, listen, to, you know, I came up in the '80s, so you want to talk about uh, something that applies that is really uh, sort of funny when it's it, uh, you see government manipulations or the threat of it and uh, change in industry. The music industry yeah. is one of those. Uh, the comic book industry is one of those. Both of those are industries where they had to. Uh, the government started. It's the kids. Somebody got to do something for the kids. Oh, you save the children. I'll put the stamp <laughs> on the CD. Parental guidance. Yeah, right. Well, that's what they had to do. The PMRC comes along. Uh, uh, Tipper Gore. Uh, you know, they, they they lobby government for controls because controls people in control get to make money and they get to make rules and they get to make other people do things. And so what had to happen was is they had to uh, these industries had to go and self-regulate. And and as a music guy, uh, hardcore music guy, uh, everything, you know, classical music, rap, country, bucket, you name it. Yeah, I don't care if it's a good song. It's I'm a good song. That's all there is to it. Um, I've listened to radio. I've loved radio. I spent a lifetime in radio, literally 30 years doing this shit. And uh, I watched the changes. I was there in 1995 when they came into every studio in America and put in a little box that would take over the radio station and broadcast what they want. I was there. I grew up in the the 70s and the 80s when uh, uh, you could still hear the, the who say, who the fuck are you on the radio? And you can't hear that now. But I can listen to an Eminem song where they can... Uh, have graphic descriptions of a guy lying in his bed and shooting himself in his head, but they beep out the part about Pan's tits. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, and back then it was the, it was the Republicans going after free speech. I don't think people remember that. I, you know, this thing, it waves. So this, this podcast is called too hard for the radio because there was a local rapper named Mac Dre in the Bay area where I grew up. And his most famous, well-known song is called Too Hard for the Radio. And it's because he could not get any radio time. And he was so fucking good that he was able to actually change culture in the Bay Area. Ghost Riding the Whip. That was he started <clears throat> that shit. Like okay. it's it's wild that people like I was just listening to Jelly Roll on Joe Rogan. And it's wild to see these people who are finally like figuring out how they're able to use new media to get to new people and to just have people listen to their, it's so crazy. Like when I was a kid, man, you had to drive down to the best buy or the record shop and buy the CD. And it was hard to listen to the music. Even, you know, if your parents were around, they didn't want you to listen to shit. Now, man, people got music all over the place. It's a, it's a great, like, man, if they would just take the brakes off of it, like you said, get the get the government regulation out, get rid of, uh, I mean, not you don't even have to get rid of these big record companies. You just let everybody play fair and get their music out fair way. And well, they, let the they end up getting rid of themselves. They uh, they, they make themselves obsolete. Metallica is kind of a little bit of proof of that. Finally, over the years, they finally yeah. you know this last album that just came out. They uh, they didn't they didn't uh, hit the Billboard chart like they they have for 32 years or some shit. And uh, part of that I think is, is because they're still of a mind of this traditional radio mentality. And, and I, I don't know, people like me still remember them being against a new paradigm in transmission instead of instead of embracing it and and taking it into their home and, and making it what they would now you know I, it, Lars is still on the wrong side of that argument yeah it's still on the wrong side of that argument out. just can't figure it out it's crazy yeah. uh, all right speaking of crazy let's get into some news okay. so we have a constitution in this country 
right? It's right here. Quote, were, were you expecting us? ATF agents go door to door to confiscate FRT-15 triggers. But what about the Constitution? It's a good question. I don't think uh, I don't think there's any such thing anymore. Uh, there's certainly not one on the state level, and I can speak to this quite personally on multiple occasions. Um, there are hundred thousand or more people every year prosecuted uh, under some bullshit law. It depend, there are different variations yep. of it in every state and every county across the nation. There's, you know, 30,000 gun laws on the books, maybe, maybe more by now. Uh, just so many of them uh, that, that ultimately these, these are uh, uh, ways to cool gun ownership and for the state to maintain its monopoly on force. Uh, people are prosecuted for defending themselves without even having fired a shot at somebody um, just because they had a gun, not because not because the other person didn't start it, not because the other person isn't guilty by their own laws, their own their own codes and, and, and rules of of assault because somebody else has greater force particularly a gun the state goes after there's there's no second amendment right there's no rights there's just what you can fight for yeah you know when i was a kid i had this babysitter and uh they didn't have they didn't own any weapons and one night some migrant that was hopped up on pcp snuck into their house and tried to rape her in bed the husband got into a fight with him. The guy beat his head in with a fire poker. There was next door neighbors, and this is out in the country. There, there's no cops around here. Out in the country, their next door neighbors is an NFL football player, uh, army ranger, and an electrical lineman. Big, tough guys. They hear a commotion. They run over there. It takes three of these guys to hold this dude down. The cops show up and go, why didn't you shoot him? Mm. What they, they go, we couldn't hold him down. We couldn't get to the gun. Like, but that was the attitude back then. 20 years later, I am terrified of what would happen if I had to shoot somebody in my driveway. If you Idaho. had to defend yourself. Oh no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to do a follow up on this, maybe, uh, you know, a, a month or two down the road, something absolutely. like that. And I'll have a, I'll have another story for you. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Oh, and speaking of a monopoly on force, we've got a uh, we've got from the UN Secretary General, peace talks not possible. We're talking about How Ukraine is, or something. Yeah, I'm talking about. Sorry, I didn't set that up right. But no, no, I isn't I, that I isn't that cr peace talks are not possible? Like to say that they're not even. It's so crazy that. These people are so confident that they're going to get this war that they're not even considering peace. Like, you would think that a diplomat would just say, hey, look, peace is always what we're looking for. Like, it's there's always a possibility for peace. Like, it's just about how bad we want it. You know, something like that. But just, nope, not possible. This war's got to go. What do you... How do we end this thing? <laughs> I don't... Man, I you can't. There's no way to end it because all of these people are right and all of these people are wrong. Not not us, yeah, the, yeah. the the American government. Not those yeah. guys. They're always wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as the, the the sort of Ukraine and Russian sides of it, they each have their own individual points, and they're each absolutely valid points. Uh, and it, I with. The, with that monopoly on force that government controls, there's no I, I don't see any place that it gets better. You said to yourself that it's, a, it's sort of the ratcheting wheel. It never goes backwards. Uh, you know, it always goes in one direction. And I, I like to think of a ratchet like that. Um, and, and there's another more simple idea, and that's that it's all just a straight line. And there's on one end tyranny 
and on the other end, anarchy. And everything in between is just some variation of socialism or a lighter form of tyranny. And so when you I think when you when you take that uh, view of what of something like what is happening over there, that you you lose any perspective on these people working uh, uh, in in a group still following the dictates of the state as opposed to I, why did they break off in the first place? Why did you know? Why does any? Why did any Georgia? Why the Ukraine? Any of these places ever break off and become separate from the the USSR if they weren't going to be free? And why did the USSR let them go if they weren't going to be free? And why are we still having this conversation all these years later? If it wasn't for NATO trying to put missiles in Russia's backyard. None of this would be happening. The Russians would have left the Ukrainians alone. They could trade across borders. Uh, you wouldn't have to worry about the fear of Germany getting involved because of their ties through their their gas supplies and all these all these intricate all these things that have been built up over the last thirty years or so of of uh, interconnected capitalism between the states and between the the peoples of the states uh, was the better way to go about this. And all it took was that that oh well we got ours is better our things better we're gonna we're gonna put our missiles over here on this border and you know don't worry about it it's okay yeah, it's not really just defensive missiles you can't put offensive <laughs> nuclear weapons on them or anything like that <laughs> it's a really silly thing to me i i I look at the status and I laugh a lot and I laugh sort of inappropriately like I did through the joker yeah i I like to tell people. Imagine that you were in a, like a war with your smaller neighbor. Smaller, it's a smaller house. They've got less money. They, you know, maybe their jobs not as maybe they're not even working. And then Cabela's came in and sponsored them in that war. Like you would be at war with Cabela's. Like you're you're no longer at war with your neighbors. Like dude, Cabela's is the real force here. The neighbors just pulling the trigger. And now we've even got like a couple of months ago, I said on the show in just in. Years down the line, we're going to find out that the U.S. behind closed doors always knew that Ukraine had no chance in winning this war. And like sure. two weeks later, that leak came out saying exactly that. And it's like, man. Yeah, their thoughts, the assessment on it. Yeah. And yeah. I, you would you would think that Russia has the upper hand, but it's all propaganda, man. You can't trust Unless anything you these people really say. been down on the ground in any of these places that they talk about in 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 any of these, especially inside the institutions to understand how they're really organized and who is uh, you know, where the, the funding is and what the condition of the equipment is. If we if we look at America and the really the piss poor way we manage wars and manage our equipment and manage our public services. How bad could it be? It's got to be horrible in Russia. So, I mean, maybe they don't really stand as good of a chance. I don't think that's the, the question that anybody should be asking. The question anybody should be asking is why the hell are we doing it in the first place? Why is why once again is and we already know the answer. It's it's a, it's a, a pointless question because we already know the answer, and that's because of the bankers, the warmongers, the manipulators, the people who make money living off the rest of us by either uh, sucking uh, the life directly out of us through our our labor, our health, and and everything else that they can get their hands on in any transaction that we make. Uh, uh, but then also, you know, getting us to um, uh, work for their their machine, you know. Uh, sacrifice and say, I can't. I can't imagine why any Russian would stand up and go, "Yeah, I'm going to fight for the. I'm going to go kill the people in Ukraine." Why? I, what was it again? Oh, well, I guess it was the missiles. I guess that's pretty reasonable. That that seems like a good reason to defend your 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 neighborhood is if you know your neighbor got some missiles and was pointing them at your house and kind of go, "No, nah, don't worry about it, bro. It's all good." Yeah, I mean. <sighs> And they want to take this to uh, to Taiwan next. I mean, it's crazy. Like oh, yeah, my yeah. hope was is like, all right, look, they're pivoting straight from COVID to Ukraine. 
the people mm. who were against COVID are going to see these are the same people just playing another game. Mm. But then Taiwan comes in and you got Sean Hannity. Oh my God, China, China, China. And you know, I, my hope was, Hey, look, these people are going to see through this and stop sending their kids to die in these fucking wars. But I, I think, you know, People around here, man, they they love the military and they're just eager to send their kids over and die. This town, this town wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the military. This place would have dried up and blown away a long time ago. There's only uh, three factories in the town that are really large-scale functioning factories. We got an M&M plant. We got a uh, a uh, Doritos plant, or Blaze, I guess, and uh, um, Goodyear. The 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 Goodyear headquarters is here. They've the just plan. They've just destroyed small town America. Completely destroyed it. Like all the plants, there was an MGM brake factory in the town I grew up in, gone. It they've just completely destroyed Main Street. And you know, people didn't even see it coming. And you look around here, we've got Amazon going in and we've got the small ace hardware closing down and it's just it's a freaking nightmare these people are so corrupt they're so greedy and like you said they're just willing to throw people into the meat grinder like they're nothing and people just disassociate from the fact that we're actually like me oh look at how cool the fighter jets are i'd love to go fight one of these things and just completely disassociate from the fact that you're dropping fucking bombs on people people are dying like See this fucking hand like there are mm. kids over in how many kids got their hands blown off in Iraq and Afghanistan that have Lames. no fucking medical treatment at all. I mean, they're living out in the fucking desert. You're going to if you're lucky, you're going to survive without an infection. But, you know, you're never going to have any sort of prosthetic. You're never going to have any sort of neural. The shit hurts. You know, people don't think about what what do these people do for pain? Nothing. Or they take heroin for their entire fucking mm-hmm. lives, which is another reason why we're over there. This fucking drugs. I mean, mm-hmm. it just shows the interconnected of it, interconnectedness of it all. And, and it proves the conspiracy. I, you know, how many times do are we going to be fooled by just saying oh that's a conspiracy not so many times anymore but here's here's the thing who cares that's the problem with this who cares because it doesn't matter if it's a conspiracy because the shit happened last week the motherfuckers already did it they fucking got away with it and nobody's ever gonna fucking pay for it and they're already planning to do it again they're just planning on doing it again yeah oh yeah oh they're already fucking working on the next big yeah yeah how are we going to lock them down for climate change? You know, climate change, that's a big one. You know, like, they haven't just completely destroyed Main Main Street. Like, I was in the electrical industry. When I went to school, they told us that 50% of the entire fucking industry was within 10 years of retirement. I've got that in other books, like a, a Bill mm. Gates pick of the month or whatever the fuck it was, saying 50%. And now they want us to build transmission lines for wind energy all over the goddamn country. We don't have the people to do it, and now you've got every fucking teacher, guidance counselor, TV show saying, don't be a knuckle dragger. Don't be some idiot and break your back working construction. Go be a techie. Learn to code. Do all that shit. Meanwhile, we're not going to have the people to build the energy to keep these fucking tech companies going, and when the rolling blackouts come, you better believe that Google is staying on. Oh, yeah. Well, Google's probably, in that sense, probably pretty smart because I imagine that they powered a lot of their own stuff. They've taken a lot of their own money and powered their own stuff. Well, if people would take some of these uh, cues from these big businesses and do what they do, when they invested in crypto, maybe you should have thought about investing in crypto, too. When they invested in the future, maybe you should have thought about it, too. It's not follow the money. Uh, it's just a truism. Uh, those guys are going to go where uh, the the money is to be made, and they're going to go there with as much information and foreknowledge as they can get, as, as they could possibly have to hope to have uh, to do it. So they're presumably the ones that are successful. 
they're going to be uh, ahead of the game. And if you're following them, you'll see the trends. You'll know if Google's building its own power supplies, if, if, if Apple's building their own city uh, for people to work in and, and, and powering themselves, you know, maybe you should be thinking about it too, because they're obviously not trying to rely on a, a broken public system that was outdated 50 years ago. <laughs> we really need, like I've been saying for a while, like if I was in my fucking prime and I could do something, mm. I would be, Finding a country that would let me build some sort of fucking factory. I don't I don't know what I'd find some other business partner that's building something. Maybe, you know, something some American made thing. American company. And we'd put it right over the border in Mexico and we'd build a fucking nuclear reactor to power it. And say, hey, look, we have got to stop with these, you know, regulations. These regulations are are killing the en- energy industry. Yeah. It's crazy. Like we should be Google should be able to build a nuclear reactor to power their their facility. I, I would mean, prefer they did. Me too. I mean, they should Google should be on all the time. Like I would prefer if Google didn't go down if Gavin Newsom makes bad decisions on energy. You know what I mean? But yeah. they're not gonna let us do it. I mean, I think it should be as far as like my HOA should be able to buy a nuclear reactor. And say, hey, look, when you move into our neighborhood, you have energy for 500 years. You can leave your kids this house, and they're going to have free energy. You can start a business. You can do whatever from your home. You're always going to have energy. And that would be an amazing selling point in a house. You could buy property with – I've been telling – like I've got a group of people that have moved up here from California, uh, and we've got a tight crew. I'm saying, hey, look, 20 years from now – we're going to go into Wyoming in the middle of fucking nowhere, and we are going to buy property and split 100 acres between five families, and we're going to have enough for us to build. Keep building. We're going to have – your kids will be able to build the house. Their kids will be able to build the house. And we should be able to have our own source of energy so we don't have to rely on these monsters to keep the lights on. <laughs> Just like we should have our own currency, we should have our own food, we should have – none of this stuff should be centralized outside any voluntary method of doing so. Uh, That, you know, obviously as an anarchist, you know that we get this thing that anarchy is chaos and that that they think that no – Rulers means no rules, yes. or that it even means no rulers. And look, it's about a voluntary system. It's about submitting to an authority versus being forced to submit to an authority, and doing so voluntarily, doing so willingly, doing so openly, uh, and working together. I, I, I tell all the time that what you see around you is the is the willful result of people ignoring government regulation none of this would exist if it wasn't for government if it wasn't for uh, trying to avoid government messing with it all of the advances in encryption and and computers and da- and sending data and transferring information all of these things have been developed in spite of government and in in the light of government trying to take control of it all and and i i just i think this is what we can do this is what we do on the street every single day it doesn't matter what color you are or what religion you are none of that shit matters when it comes to the free market the open market and that means the open market of ideas that means the open markets money and and energy and food and all of these we we live in a completely captured society all the things that are important um knowledge uh defense self-interest uh, captured by hollywood and turned into a, a pageantry and a, and a television show all of these things are controlled by a small number of people who have used the same tactics and the same systems and the same playbooks for a couple hundred years since there's I don't know been more, people, more to tell people there's been people trying to rob the production of others since the beginning of civilization there's always been a group that says hey look I want to sit around while other people work to support me. And it's just, it's transferred. Karl Marx finally put it onto paper, but it's the same story throughout history. You're productive. I'm not. And I want some of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
And government sees that as a way to keep and maintain power because the natural tendency of a free nation, I would assume, would be to shrink the size of government. Everything shrinks. It's an economic uh, re- certainty, uh, an economic reality that as technology grows, as interest grows, uh, investments, reinvestments in the in the core things that make stuff work, um, the costs go down. Yep. And so the usefulness of government would go down over time. And that's the thing that we're fighting against is that they continue to monetize justice and and monetize defense and and for themselves not not for us not not in any sense of the word not for us it is for the class of people who get involved in it and it doesn't it's an, it's it's uh, we're just the cattle that they prey on yep prices fall to the cost of production you know prices should be falling and they don't. Yeah, the that's don't the natural tendency of natural things tendency because of people get smarter. They learn how to use it. They learn how to develop it in different ways. It's just like AI. <laughs> We're watching this AI grow and, yep. and change. And right now, it's cost. It'll cost millions of dollars to run an AI. But fifty years from now, it'll be on your on. phone like a calculator app. You couldn't yep. imagine paying for a calculator app right now. You'd be like, are you crazy? What, why would I pay for a fucking calculator? But at one time, that calculator app was really hard to make. And somebody yeah. put a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of uh, time, sweat and tears and into that thing. But over time, prices keep falling. What yeah, do you think? That, uh, that's the natural tendency of things. So when yep. you see prices going back up, you know, you know. There's government intervention. There's market. There's there's market manipulation or there's money manipulation. But in this world, come on, they're both. There's there's yeah. no separation. There's no area of reality that we live in that isn't tainted by government. That isn't um, preyed on by those people using the rest of us to make a living. Yeah. I, it's it's an the insidious thought. Yeah, there's a predator class. I yeah. mean, they look at Joe Biden. He's been, but what are they talking now? $10 million or something like that. He's, he's uh, gotten from overseas. These people have never had real jobs. I mean, going through college, the, the level of, they teach to the level of the dumbest student. And there are some really fucking dumb students out yeah. there. I mean, the last essay that I had to grade on somebody, I just ripped him because it was, to me, it was offensive that I had put so much time into this thing. And then they put out something. The The beginning sentence was like, history is what we talk about when events happened in the past. And it's like, this is what they're putting out. Like, these, this is the predator class. This is how they actually they, – they don't understand any of this that we're talking about. They've never produced anything. So they don't know what it feels like to have your production stolen from you. They don't know. I remember as a kid, my dad showed me an overtime check. He was a lineman, and he'd been working up in the mountains for months. Snow. We're talking hard work. 80 hours on, 8 hours off for months at a time. He showed me this paycheck. It was – the government took like $40,000 from him in a single fucking paycheck, and I was just like, holy shit. And even as a kid, I could recognize that all of that time was taken for what? To steal my dirt bike from me? To take my gun away from me? To shrink the amount of land that I can go riding in little by little by little every year because of something like they they claim erosion. It's like erosion? So what, we move dirt from one area to another a little bit faster and now we can't ride anymore? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually I've heard that argument before. <laughs> at least, at least um, sometimes they stumble back asswards into making something work, making something play out the right way. But man, for the one time that it happens, out of the thousand times that they just fuck everything up, I, it's not worth it. It do, it doesn't seem to add up to me. No. <laughs> All right. So when I first came across your your deal online and I saw the principled anarchist, I go, ooh, that reminds me of something. And I, I dug around in my brain for a few minutes and I go, ah, oh, 
I got it. So I got a quote for you. I'm going to read this quote here and, and we'll see what you think about it. I'm probably going to butcher this because I just got new dentures. <laughs> here we go. I knocked a tooth out here a month or so back that I got I to gotta get replaced. Oh, it's a nightmare. All right. A rational anarchist believes that concepts such as state and society and government have no existence save as physically exemplified in acts of self-responsible individuals. He believes that it is impossible to shift blame, share blame, distribute blame, as blame, guilt, responsibility are matters taking place inside human beings singly, singularly <laughs> and nowhere else. But being rational, he knows that not all individuals hold his evaluations, so he tries to live perfectly in an imperfect world. Robert Heinlein from The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Yeah, I, I've come across some great Heinlein quotes and in, in my day and it, and it always makes me wonder because one of the things that i i'm a pop culture guy i, I like music i like movies i like tv I, you know i i like video games i i enjoy those leisure things and and one of the things that i've found that it's just fascinating over time is the lack of understanding of influence that some of the people like you know the, the creators of south park oh. are one that always comes to me they have no concept of what they have brought to the table in terms of of changing minds and making making people think critically about things like government and and yeah. things like manipulation of speech and manipulation of money i mean they've yeah. even addressed that and it's gone yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, there's such a huge influence on my life. I mean, as a kid, I was like 15 years old or maybe even younger when that show came out. And it was just like wild and in your face and just fuck you. We're not taking your bullshit. And yeah, man, just punk punk rock music. I, I was listening. To, the first album I ever bought was Offspring Americana. And you go back and, you know, I'm going to disregard what Offspring has done in the past years and remember <laughs> them how they were. You listen to that and you're like, man, these guys got it right. Rancid, these guys got it right. Things that were baked into my mind that I didn't understand at the time, but now listening back, just going, oh, man, that's right. Pennywise. There's another one. That's another one. You, you say that, and I think I'm thinking early '80s metal, and I'm thinking yeah. uh, Dave Mustaine. I'm thinking uh, you know Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, all Ozzy. singing about these really. You know, they're singing about the 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 cruelty and and the manipulations of war, and uh, they they're talking about you know. Uh, Megadeth, of course, you know, peace sells, but who's buying? I mean, that's an entire goddamn anthem of anti-statism without knowing it. And the, and just to see Dave Mustaine in particular to be just a status cuck yeah. in his fucking old age. It's so uh, It makes me sad, and it just reinforces the idea that, one, don't invest any fucking time in individuals when you're talking about creativity because their creativity doesn't necessarily reflect who they are and you should not have idols you shouldn't create idols out of these people um and 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 that i that they don't have that that they don't have that concept of how they can truly influence people and what they've done I, the thing that gets me is something like that with the dave mustaine where it's so glaringly obvious yeah. to come from such a sort of relative anarchist position obviously one that they clearly didn't understand at the time yeah uh, and never did understand because yeah. they never did come to understand it because they turned away from it they, they didn't gravitate towards it to become such a status and and again with the south park thing if you watch um them go back sort of a decade after the south park movie which the south park movie was just a it's a i still watch it bomb. once a year once a year i, I watch it yeah, it was, it was just boom. And I don't mean bomb as in bad. Yeah. I mean bomb as in boom, right in your fucking face. Uh, here's here's the ridiculousness about your society that yeah. we're, we're holding this mirror up to at the time. They have no fucking clue. Yeah. They, no, they didn't even remember what the fuck they did. They had no idea what the jokes were. They barely remembered the song. You know, they showed up and won their fucking Academy Award. You know, they showed up in dresses and shit. That's what they remembered. Yeah. They remember bucking the system. They don't remember 
uh, being an influence. Murder and violence is okay as long as you don't use any dirty words. <laughs> Fantastic movie. movie. Yeah. First time I saw it, I was I was uh, tripping acid. Saw oh. it in the movie theater opening day. I was tripping balls. Oh. Uh, it was great. I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> All right, man. And on that, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good night. Peace out.